Hey listeners, before we get into this episode, I have a quick ask to make. I started this podcast as a research project on how to be a top individual contributor in the product design space. My goal for the show was to learn what it takes to be an individual contributor that's doing amazing, impactful work that they love doing day in and day out and getting paid top dollar while they do it. Becoming that type of individual contributor is the ultimate job security. With close to 100 hours of interview recordings, this has naturally led to the creation of the short form video articles that synthesize my learnings into 10 minute listens of actionable content. You might recognize these as my morning walk episodes or the hashtag shorts episodes. To my surprise, those episodes have been very well received and listeners have enjoyed the synthesis of what I've learned. This has led to the next chapter of my research project, which is beginning to synthesize what I've learned into a new newsletter called Thinking Out Loud About Design that you can subscribe to right now for free. Thinking Out Loud About Design is an email newsletter and podcast that basically contains all my synthesis for my long form interviews. It's pure distilled learnings that you can apply to your career immediately. This content is for you if you are a couple years into your career and you're trying to make that move from mid-level to senior designer and senior designer to staff designer. I mainly focus on becoming high-performing individual contributors in the product design industry. A free subscription gives you full access to the newsletter, podcast episodes, and website. You won't have to worry about missing anything because every new edition of the newsletter goes directly into your inbox. So my ask is this. If you have gotten any value out of the way of product design, or if it's helped you in any way or someone you know, please subscribe to Thinking Out Loud About Design and get the distilled learnings on being a staff-level individual contributor. You can find a link to the newsletter in the show notes of every episode of this podcast and on my LinkedIn page. Just look up Caden Damiano. Thanks again for listening and supporting the way of product design. I wouldn't be doing this if you guys weren't listening. Now, on to the show. Today, I wanted to learn more about how to work better with product managers. So I interviewed one for the podcast. In this episode, I chat with Trey Winterton, a product manager at Workfront. Hey, Trey, thanks for coming on the podcast. Sorry we couldn't meet in person due to the uh, coronavirus. Yeah, me too. I was really excited to come up to the Progressive office and check it out, Uh, but this will have to do. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, this is week two, and I am actually, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm really missing the office. I'm right there with you. We, I've got school-aged children, so they're home, which makes working from home a lot different than when they're at school. Oh, yeah. Like when I first got the, the announcement that we were going to be work from home for the indeterminate amount of time, this you know national worldwide quarantine was happening, I was pretty uh, stoked. Because I think everyone thought, oh, this would be a great time to prove out remote work and stuff. But then I realized that remote working all the time is fun if you could go to places like Moab or go to the gym during the day or (laughs) do something (laughs) besides hang out in your house like Groundhog Day every day because everything's closed. Yeah, yeah. There's totally a different dynamic to it. You know, one of the the pro tips you hear from the people who have successfully gone to work at home is they say, you know, I've got a separate space, like another bedroom so they can 
separate their work life from their personal life. And then they say, I make sure to get out of the house. They go walk in the park. They have a dog they pay for a run. They've got, they got hobbies. They've got things they do. And pretty much those just got yanked out from under us too. So it's, you, you will stay home and you, whether you like it or not, that's, that's where it is right now. Yeah. And just catching up on my streaming on my shows. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I caved and got some more uh, subscriptions to different streaming services. So I had a more variety in my, my portfolio of TV shows I need to watch. I mean, I still walk, but the, you know, the route that I'm taking around my apartment kind of getting old. So got to Yeah. You're starting to feel like you're the dog that's going for a walk. I know. <laughs> so the yesterday I went to Walmart um, with my wife and we were just, so it was our anniversary and we were trying to salvage the the specialness of the day by you know getting like ice cream and like snacks and stuff to celebrate and she looked and saw that they uh, had restocked the lentils and i wanted to buy some lentils uh, like a week back but everything in that aisle was gone when everything when the event happened i'll just refer to (laughs) the initial uh, quarantine week as the event but she's like yeah do you want to grab some lentils too and i'm like no, I want an excuse to leave the house in a few days, so I'll get them then. <laughs> yeah, I I get that. I get that way too much. I think we all do. I think we all do. Yeah, no, Walmart's my, my one luxury now. It's the only thing that's open. But I digress. Uh, Trey, how about you in, introduce yourself to uh, the listener just to give the cliff notes of your career and you know any changes you made and... Uh, what you're doing now. Uh, you don't have to mention that you're working from home now, like maybe like up to last month before everything went to crap. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we, we can cover that. So hi, ever Hi, listener. I'm Trey Winterton, 29 years old, and I am a product manager. Now I've, I've been in software for three years, three and a half, three and a half years. Started out as a Junior UX researcher, moved into mid-level researcher, and then senior researcher, and then just made the switch to product manager last September. I worked at a first company I worked at was a small startup named Nav, based out of Draper, Utah. And then I moved to a little bit bigger company, a workfront based out of Lehigh, Utah. Um, that, that's about the formal titles. Prior to that, I was working in the optical industry for four to five years and did a fair amount of analytics for operations teams. And that's one of the skill sets that really helped me transition into UX research was being able to dig through some numbers. So it's been interesting. It's been fun. It's been a wild ride and product management is my current destination. Cool. Awesome. So you started in the optical industry. How did you pivot into UX research and like what drew you to that role? Uh, it's, it's a little bit of an interesting story. So I was doing analyst work for their, the operations team at a startup called glasses.com and was kind of, kind of feeling plateauing, you know, unchallenged, um, wanting more and was, you know, always enjoyed using the creative aspect to my, my brain and solving problems in novel ways. And so I reached out to our creative director who I was personal friends with and said, Hey, do you got any space in your team for some problem solving? And he basically was like, no, we're just graphic designers. We do branding. And so 
I was like, okay, well, he's like, well, why? What's up? So we talked and he I said, I'm kind of bored. And so I said, well, why don't we go walk around and talk to a bunch of the different teammates and see if we can find something that maybe piques your interest and at least get you started mentally in a direction. So we went around and we talked to everyone. It was, it was really cool. We spent like three hours. We talked to marketers and finance people and different developers. We talked to everyone on the staff. And at the end, he was like, so what do you want to do? What did, did you find out? And I was like, no, I wanted to, I wanted to find someone who takes the feedback from the people who are trying to use our website and makes our website better doing it and he was like oh you want to do Sarah does she's on vacation that's called UX and she was the the UX manager for the or the UX director for the company at the time and so that was the very first time in my life I'd even heard uh, at least noticeably the the term UX and so it was something that I was looking into and then when I decided to make the switch from optical stuff into software I just did some glass door searches for UX jobs and every single one of them wanted you know one to two years of the designing two years of design experience three to four years of design experience and I was like well I don't I don't know how to design same same reason I didn't join the creative team initially back on that other company but I found one opening for a entry-level junior researcher and applied for it and the, the rest is history and uh so, so that's how I made it into software and into UX. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty uh, common pattern. Uh, and I'm also seeing just a trend in the industry right now for roles in a product department. Like it's a pretty new thing for businesses to have a product department. Like it used to be like, oh, you go into UX to solve problems. But I am noticing that there are developers that are, they kind of specialize in like a product team because there's like engineers that don't work on products. They work on like mainframes and stuff like that. Services and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's like developers that fit like that creative technologist mold that is like the requisite to really work in a product team and solve like customer problems. And then, you know, product management's that that uh, sexy new ch- title. I was actually joking with um, a product manager who, so he's he's Indian, and we're he was joking about how his parents and his family in India were thinking like, wait, like why didn't you become like a doctor or like a banker or something like that? And he's like, no, I'm like I'm a product manager. Like that's that's like the new consulting. Like it, you know how consulting was cool back like in the 80s and 90s as like a job. Now it's product management, and they're like. I still don't understand why do you become, how do you make money and stuff? And he's like, like, uncle, I make more money than you. Like, so, but, but I am noticing that. Um, uh, I just want us to stop you there real quick. I have had that exact same experience with my mother-in-law actually, where what? she, she, my, my brother, or no, my, my brother, my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, his mom, he's a software developer and she thinks he has like the most stable, awesome job. And he's, he, does have a cool job he works for nicola the um, ev company it's really cool oh yeah yeah he has he has like one of the cool tech jobs i think um but i'm a product manager she asked my brother-in-law the other day like so does he have a good job and she was just worried about me being like what does he do i don't know do they make money are they gonna be okay and it was just really funny because no one has like a clue like i I thought they would know you know when i went with ux research to product management maybe somehow more people would know what I do, but 
it, I still get that puzzled look of like, oh, you work for software, but you don't write code. Okay, that's it. That's like all they hear. That's like all they get. So it's just totally that interesting experience. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the, I mean, I think anyone looking and in breaking into tech, like they go to a coding boot camp, but there's so many roles in tech where you can contribute and get all the perks of working at a tech company. Um, yeah, I, I think an interesting role that has gone under the radar just randomly is like scrum coaches oh, yeah. and release, release managers, people who help stuff just get out the door and manage some processes. These are jobs that I didn't even know existed, but we have many of them at my company and they help us out tremendously. Oh yeah. And, and most of the progressive leasing, we call them delivery managers. And most of the delivery managers were people that um, pivoted or grew into the role. Like they were business analysts before, or they're, they started at a company as like a call center employee. And then they just kind of worked their way up into this tech role where they're managing scrum teams and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's cool how the paths crisscross, and how you can go from one spot to another in tech. There's multiple skills that translate. And I think the biggest thing is if you can respect each discipline as one that has value, bringing something to the table, and is much harder than it looks from the outside looking in. Because I think everyone says that their job isn't that hard. Like, But then you find out, they start doing it, it is it's in fact that hard. Mm -hmm. um, Tech, tech's cool in the sense that you can switch jobs, you can switch careers, you can get exposure. If you find something you think you'd enjoy better or want to do differently. Oh yeah, and and they reward creativity and like ingenuity in this field. Like, and it doesn't you don't have to be coding to to solve business problems. And I think uh, traditional businesses. Uh, just getting back to my last observation is are recognizing that they need to have a bunch of employees that think um, critically. And there's so many roles in tech. I mean, there's just so many interesting jobs where you solve problems and so many like parallels and they, no one knows about them. So people still go to school to be an accountant or going to go to law school. I mean, you know what you want. You don't want to know a Cush tech job. My my uncle in law is a attorney who brokers deals for like Adobe Experience Cloud. So he works in Lehigh, and he has the cushiest job. He gets all the tech benefits, but he like hardly has to work because it's yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. He's not going to court that often, or or you know, it's pretty straightforward work. Oh yeah, and and he it's. It's like that the coolest lawyer job you ever get, but it, it, it's super interesting that, you know, people still are going for these traditional career paths for a secure job. And I'm like, I can't think of like a more secure and lucrative career path than just being in the general tech industry. And there's just more and more companies creating product departments and product teams and like reorganizing to fit that model of having employees creatively solve problems in the business's value proposition, which is unprecedented, never happened before. Well, yeah, the industry is not going anywhere in the sense that we, we've been on Little House on the Prairie. We've come from that. No one wants to go back to that. 
you know, there are other, can we get more efficient with like recycling and compost? Can we become more sustainable as a species? Totally. Are we going to cut technological advances for that? Never. That's just not what's going to happen. So it's, it's a very safe place to be as well. Yeah. You hear that? Uh, I don't know a lot of parents that would listen to a product design podcast, but your kid's fine. I, I'm well, it depends on the startup. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty roller coastery, but still, I mean, we're doing pretty good working home from home, still, still making money, but yeah, like, but going back to like your pivot into UX is, oh, I want a career where I could actually make decisions that improve the delivery of value to customers. Um, what did you study in school? Like what, what made you, like, did you study something that kind of followed those tendencies before? Actually, no. Um, I'm a college dropout. Don't even have like an associate's degree. I was in school to be a doctor while I was doing some customer support work early on and had some doctors more than one talk me out of being a doctor and decided to just I didn't want to go to school for nothing. Like until I figured out what I wanted to do, I'd go to school for it. But I got into UX without having to go back to school and getting a design degree. If I had run into that dead end over and over and over again, I might have gone back to school to try to find some sort of degree for design. But I was able to break through into research just using uh, my analyst experience previously in the optical industry. Yeah, that's that's funny. That happened to me too. Um, Really? Well, no, I got talked out of being a lawyer because I have a bunch of grandparents that are lawyers. Sorry, continue your thought. I'm sorry. No, no, you were going to say, it sounds like you have interesting family parties. Well, it's good if I need legal advice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Secretly, one day, one day, if you know, I made like a ton of money and didn't have to work anymore, randomly, I would go to get like a constitutional law degree and try to get into politics or something. Just... Um, something to do but going back to um the switch that's right that's what we were talking about right was yeah the yeah the switch of trying to get into more problem solving career totally so i i didn't go to school for it um which which is interesting i i don't know one product manager personally that's gone like the exact same career route some have business management degrees some don't some have you know, design degrees and came from a design perspective. Um, but, but I'm a degree list product manager officially. And it's been helpful to have the experience with uh, spreadsheets specifically was probably one of the biggest things in my user research breaking through to that change was being able to look at numbers and spot patterns. That was something that I had learned on the job and not in like a, a focus. And so it was much more on the quantitative side of UX research. That kind of was my first real strength in UX research. Um, the the company I worked for at the time, Nav, used a tool called Full Story, which I don't know if you have any exposure to Full Story. I've been uh, hearing record. about it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I loved it. Workfront doesn't have it, and it's fine. I understand when we have a much different set of customers, but it was a tool that I really liked and mis misusing. Um, but being able to come in and say, oh, you know, 10 users did this, four users, and start mapping out behaviors that some of the other team members weren't able to do. It was, it was able to, I was, had that skill set and was able to uh, come in and prove value right away. But then 
really quickly was able to use my interpersonal skills to start doing interviews. And it just took some time to learn a little bit more of the formal frameworks around the qualitative UX research process. Like, like I'm a personal person. I have uh, good exchange skills, but how do you do it in a non-leading way? And it was just learning some of those fine things to my communication skills in an interview or in a customer in research mode that I needed to tweak just a bit. But that's how I got in. So there wasn't one skill specifically that in the interview process had me stand out because I would say in the interview process, I probably looked, you know, it, it was entry level though. It was an entry level UX research position. Yeah, the... Well, it just sounds like you have all the skills necessary to be a modern product manager because really all it is, at least like with like the whole like Marty Kagan definition of product management is your job is to prioritize um, opportunities and then make sure that like the, the, the team works towards like those objectives based off like what you have seen. I'm curious, what, what do you feel like the definition of a product manager is as like the industry evolves? Because I think uh, design is starting to have the luxury of being a more mature profession where we kind of know you're starting to see like college programs come up now for pro- digital product design, which kind of shows like a maturity, but uh, product management, I still think is a uh, little, is still trying to find like its, its place. Yeah. Um, I I think the biggest thing I could, it's product managers I've heard, I don't like this, I've heard it called the mini CEO. And the reason I would say that in this case, I think it's a semi-accurate way to describe it is I do have to talk to sales. I do have to talk to support. I do have to talk to marketing. I have to talk to finance. I have to talk to customer success. I have to talk to everybody in the company. I need to know how to have a successful exchange with them, what I need to take to those discussions, what I need to take out of those discussions in order to make sure that I'm delivering products to my customers. I need to talk to customers. I need to talk to non-customers. And so being able to process an entire library of information or different categories and then prioritize them to form a strategy and make a direction that that's what I think the role of a product manager is and to do that for their team for their area of ownership so that you know I've got give or take 10 developers that that are on my scrum team that I'm a product manager for and I owe them direction I owe them prioritization so that they're not wasting their time that's that's what I bring to the table is clarity and what we need is to all work together to do that. So uh, what's the what's the thing for a product manager? What's the role evolving to? I think you, you've got to be someone who can manage many items of information and quickly and be resourceful to move to the next step quickly. You've got to be able to do that. That's interesting. You did, you did not mention uh, project management at all. Yeah, I don't think, I think in the modern tech, we've got that role, that step baked into other things. We, we, if we're running agile, if we're running, um, 
you know, you've got engineering managers, you've got scrum masters. So this is saying, you know, I don't think product manager and scrum master are synonymous. I think you could ask a person to do both at a company, but I don't think that's the same role. And so I think a lot of those processes that are traditionally really project managery can be offloaded onto one of those other roles, which are often a dedicated individual. Yeah, like a, how, how do you say it? Like I say delivery we, manager, you say? We have release managers, scrum masters, scrum coaches, one scrum coach. We got one scrum coach. And we got a couple of things, but, and then we have an engineering manager who, who also does a lot of the like Kanban board management and stuff like that for the team. Yeah, the, I, I, I like what you said that the product manager is their your job is to actually critically think about the business as a whole and provide direction and clarity to and and I, I and I'd also go as far as meaning to everyone's work. Yeah, I I, I could get on that on board with that statement for sure. Yeah, because uh, I I've noticed that nothing hurts engineering and designs morale than erratic shifting priorities because we're trying to ship features out the door. Oh yeah. That's, they start to feel like mice on or hamsters on a wheel, like a mice hunting for that cheese. Like they're not accomplishing a mission, but they're just punching numbers in a machine. You take out like a bit of the purpose from the work when you just keep redirecting them. Totally agree with that. Yeah, and the best product managers I've met, well, coincidentally, they follow the OKR model where they have like business objectives and they have key results and they stick to them. And then I know that my work's going towards those objectives and, I, and that gives me a ton of clarity as a product designer. When you, all right, this might turn into a hot takes episode. When you mentioned the, the, the mini CEO definition, it's not, you hesitated a little bit. Why is that? Well, that's a good question. Uh, total, total pride management. Um, I hated a few of the product managers that I've worked with in the past. I thought they were total jerks um, because they thought they were hot stuff. Like they really did. And it was super frustrating. And I was like, I don't know why anyone can do your job, which being a product manager now, I think, it is harder than I cracked it out to be, but I do think that anyone who's, you know, enough intelligent and enough motivated, they can pull it off. That you you could do this, um, and it doesn't give you a right to be a jerk about it. It just doesn't. And so, I think people comparing it to a mini CEO thing is kind of like an arrogance issue, and just that's the last thing product managers need is more arrogance. Like really. It's, you know, I, I can say maybe now that I am one, I can start talking crap on them a little bit more, but <laughs> so yeah, that, that's it. Totally just simply that I don't think, I do think it's, a, it's an accurate description that we need to be able to say, um, is the product supported? Is it being released? Are we, uh, you know, churning customers out? What's our lifetime value of this product? Like you got to worry about it. Like it's a business, your product as if your product was a business. And so you got to care about it across the board, like a CEO does. Is it selling? Is it being supported? You got to care about those things. And so I agree that it's, it's a good description in the sense of 
the moving parts you need to manage as a product manager. I just don't like that it makes you sound like you're you trying to give yourself a title. a title that you haven't earned yet or, or been given. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've noticed that the the confidence and arrogance of uh, PMs depends on it correlates with a couple things. And this is my theory so far. So correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm off base. One, if they got an MBA, and uh, because a lot of people get MBAs to become a CEO, so they, they gravitate towards that description. And then two, if they like wearing business casual, like Dockers and a, and a button-up shirt and sweater. Interesting, 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 interesting. I'm thinking about it, and I actually don't think... I'm not going to name names, obviously, but I don't think the two that I'm thinking of fit that description. Hmm. And you know what? That's what science is. You know, you, you, you miss it. You're, you you're miss doing the... research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm writing that down right now. I'm trying to crack the code of uh, ego and, and product. Um, I, so... I have a different hypothesis on the arrogance of the, uh, yeah. Mine is, how they inform themselves. See, this is where I think I make a good PM coming from the UX research background is I felt like some weak PMs would just use their own gut, just use their own hunches, that spend hours and hours at their desk typing away, crunching numbers, and come back and say, this is what we're doing, and not include anyone in the discussions. And then when you try to push back on them, it, it, they take it so personally, their ego is so fragile that they become so ultra defensive, and they are so hard to work with. And so I think you've got these people who are willing to solve problems collectively and as a team. And then you've got people who want to really hold that and own that. And that's the person who's going to be arrogant and proud and self-defensive and love that CEO title versus the person who's going to be collaborative and a team player. So I think it all depends on who's informing their decisions, whether they're doing it as a team or whether they're doing it themselves. And that's, that would be my hunch on whether they're a cool PM or not. <laughs> What 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 does it take to be a cool PM? That sounds like a great title for a podcast episode. Yeah, I I was actually talking with a mentor of mine who's also a, a product designer, and we were just talking about like you know there's probably a trend of a lot of people from design UX that are going into product management roles. Because we look, we, we, we encounter those kind of PMs that just follow their gut or they think that, are they think that their job is to push like technical solutions and they don't inform their decisions with like the reality of like customer behavior and that kind of data. And we're like, wait, we could do your job. We could do your job better than you. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, there's like a lot of, you know, design and I guess like UX background people going into that product management role because we're like oh it's all about just like seeing how customers behave and then prioritizing those decisions right yeah that's part of the switch i made it was maybe a bit of a mental oversimplification uh we'll give it that but totally totally is i would be guilty of lying if i told you i hadn't thought like in meetings before when a pm was talking saying i could do your job better than you do um and uh there's some of those pms that i think i still think that about and there's some that i was like maybe i was a little hard on that person 
And so there's some, it still holds true with some though. Yeah. I mean, if you put like that uh, UX perspective, you know, you just put like the, that design hat on, or I don't know, I'll just say UX because not everyone in UX is a designer, but uh, sometimes, yeah, I've definitely been wrong about PMs in the past because like how they think is heavily influenced by their background. So if they come from like a technical role and that's the beauty of like the product manager role, because there could be more technical PMs to handle like more like API driven products. And there's more like design background PMs that handle more front end customer facing stuff. And that, that diversity is good. And so whenever I like misunderstood a PM that I was just like, you aren't thinking about the customer. You, you realize like, oh, well, this is how they thought about solving problems. Most of their career has been spent thinking about database architecture and stuff. And you need to meet them halfway and, you know, help inform how they're thinking with like your insight and, you know, just work as a team and collaborate, be nice. But yeah, I've definitely been wrong with PMs. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not all bad. I promise. And <laughs> I'm not perfect by any means. I get in trouble. My boss gets mad at me. I make mistakes. The one thing I think coming from the, I don't know if this is probably not one, probably more than one thing. I think it was an advantage coming in from UX research, but one was uh, being in a more collaborative role coming into it. Cause the UX research has to collaborate with the designer and the PM for their research projects. Um, so being in a role where I automatically coming in and saying, okay, who are, who are the, my closest allies? So my engineering manager and my designer, how can I get tight with them? How are we going to win as a team? Um, and it wasn't about me getting a promotion. It wasn't about me being the product manager. It wasn't about any of that. It was just like, hey, guys, this is us now. What are we going to do to get successful? And how are we going to win as a group? Um, and so I think that really helps. It's brought me a lot of cred with my developers to say, Hey, it's not like a, it has nothing to do with me or anything, especially because I'm a new product manager. I don't think I have anything to brag about. It's not like I have this successful track record of like amazing deliveries where usage just tripled overnight. Like it, it, I don't have any of that. So I'm coming in a bit humble and just trying to say, Hey guys, let's make this together. And it's been really refreshing to have the team respond and give me the feedback that they, they like that, that they like being treated like adults. They like having the opportunity to voice opinions and have that feel like that's heard and considered, not just heard for humoring someone. It's being that researcher who comes, who used to go listen to customers to say, Hey, their reality is their reality. I need to respect that. And me giving that same uh, honor to my development team and to my designer to my engineering manager has worked out really well for uh, the interpersonal trust in our team yeah like everything said it does sound like um, a person with a research background like the ability to look at all factors and then identify patterns and then see like oh we should prioritize this is going to give you an edge over a lot of other backgrounds of PMs. I remember talking to you before this episode and you mentioned that really, I think the PM job description, if you made like a job listing should like include as like a requirement of like a couple years of research 
some kind of research experience, like experience, like doing qualitative and quantitative research. Can you elaborate a little bit more on like what your thinking was behind that statement? Yeah, definitely. And, and I'd make that statement again. I'll say it now. I'll say it proudly that I think product management job descriptions, they say, you know, bachelor's experience, minimum expectation or two years experience in the field or equivalent, you know, if they had even six months, one year, two years, anything saying uh, customer research, it could be at a market research level, it could be at a UX level, it could just be at a strategy level, just interviews, but direct, consistent exposure to customers, gathering information and then looking through the, the findings, that would inform someone to be a much better product manager than I think, um, you know, knowing how your growth might occur over the next three quarters or something like that, because you've got to make something that people use. And I know that if you are, especially if you're a venture backed company, you've got investors who are wondering how they're going to get their money back. And you got to get some numbers to some leadership or someone's going to be upset, but that that's going up the chain. That's going up to the leaders. That's who cares about the numbers going down the chain to your team. You got to make something for the users. You got to make something for the product. And that's, that's the other direction that often gets managed when you think about product managers. They're so worried about managing up and, and the, the numbers, the forecasts, the trends, the patterns, which uh, usage trends and patterns are, are cool. I like those. But they stop caring a bit about, maybe don't stop caring. That, that might be an over, overstatement on that. But they care more about those things and kind of care a little bit less about maybe just what it's like for a person to sit down and use the product. And that's to me is like, the ultimate like measurement measurement stick. People can be like, is there more clicks or did it generate more revenue? My my measurement stick is what was it like to use? Did it get better or did it get worse? Because if it got better, we did a good job. Yeah, the Marty Kagan talked about how the measure that like a really good indicator of product market fit is if you have like five to six reference customers that you don't pay to use your product. Like customers that ad naturally advocate for your product and show that like you've been meeting a need with it is a good indicator that you have product market fit just at a very like high qualitative level that you can, if you, I, one of my favorite product managers, he told me that when he was working at one company, he had like 20 reference customers that he would always talk to about releases and stuff like that. And that, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's just that to me shows that the product's doing good, not the fact that we, we released this many features this year or, you know, all that stuff that like, for some reason, uh, you know, high, the higher, some higher ups care about when we should be worrying about having fans of our product. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I, I'll be honest, I understand higher ups. I get it. You want visibility into is work happening. And there's only so many numbers. I can tell you so many things. And when you've got, you know, teams cascading up, there's a lot of people to worry about. And so I get wanted numbers. I don't blame them. Um, yeah. But when you are in the product management role, which is what we're talking about on this episode of the podcast, you kind of sit between the level of that like upper management and people who can impact the end user. You kind of, you kind of sit on that fence. And 
if you're only ever going to make things that make managers happy, you might have a good career. You might get a lot of promotions, um, but will you have really done anything good? We haven't done anything substantial. And I think to be a good product manager, you got to make good products, not just have good numbers. And I think you make good, my opinion is that good products are made when good research is done as part of the process of being built of, of ideating, of discovery, of shipping, of iterating. Um, and so if you're going to make revenue generating products, that's awesome. You're going to have a stellar career, but just for me personally, why I would want that if I was a director of product or a VP of product and I was hiring a team of product managers, I would try to hire as many with research experience as possible because I would know that they have the skill set and the experience of looking for the right measurement, the measurement being users being happy with your product. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that definitely gives me the confidence if someone has a research background that like if someone has a project management background, I'm concerned that they're not going to be able to have a vision because their vision is getting checking to-do lists. That's like what project management is, is it's checking boxes and that's how you feel like you're doing your job. And that's going to influence how you prioritize because you're like, oh, like how, how quick, what's a quick to market solution? And then you get like a bunch of half-baked like hodgepodge of products in a portfolio because people are just like trying to, we need to deliver value quickly. But like I, yeah, like I, that statement you made of like, if I hire someone with research experience, I at least know that they know how to measure success with the actual customer. Yeah. Yeah. That I think is probably the like Trump's not, not, I can't even use that word anymore. Dang it. I was going to say the best, the best statement, the, the summary statement, the abstract, kind of everything I'm trying to say is that you've got the skill set to know if you're doing it right or wrong and course correct if you're doing it wrong. Boom. Yeah. That, that, like, that's basically it right there. So going back to product manager as CEO role, I went to the front workshop series back in November and uh, yeah, I, did. I, I spoke, I spoke at that. Oh, okay. What if I actually like went to your, I was actually just starting out the podcast at the time. Uh, what was your topic? It was research. <laughs> I, and it, it, it was okay. My, my attention, my session was the last of the day and the most obscure, you know, it's not design. It wasn't product management. It wasn't leadership. So I had probably like 15 people attend. It, you're you're good it i just it was cool it was a fun time i had fun putting it on and you dropped it i was like oh yeah i was there running a session oh yeah there i felt bad there was actually like a director of like design at like one company that is actually a pretty like popular company i think it was like plural site or whatever and she had like such a small session because it was about design systems and yeah i might have been in a in a in a like a very uh, an adjacent session at that same time <laughs> it was the pl the 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 placing better product bets and it was uh i think his name's brian he's like head of product at outlet okay um i think he's head of product or director of product or something like that but i he talked about the whole argument he how he doesn't like the the product manager ceo role because he's like can you give people raises? Can you fire people? No. Like really like you have 
all you have is influence because you technically don't even have authority over the team. You're not the boss. So he likes to advocate that the PM role is more of the chief investment officer. As in like, you're the guy that everything we talked about, you analyze all the factors going into a product, like, you know, how finance, so you understand like what pricing you need to do and, and all those, you know, I mean, cause like the CEO isn't the only person that considers a bunch of information. I'd even say designers need to consider good designers, consider all that information as well. But he, he likes to call the PM, the chief investment officer, because you consider all those things and you make a recommendation on what bets you should place in the market. Totally. We have, we have two different, WordPress has it kind of strange. We have PMs over strategy and PMs over delivery. And we have the strategy PMs will be doing the marketplace vetments and our delivery ones will be releasing features to customers. The, the delivery PM, so I'm a delivery PM. So I work with my scrum team a lot more. Like uh, the strategy PM in my portfolio isn't assigned to a, a scrum team or developers. He just meets with customers and then writes epics and kind of does opportunity assessments. And once they get greenlit by the wider org and leadership, then we start going into, okay, what are the requirements? How does it need to go? What does it need to look like when it hits the market? And that's where I step in and start doing research with customers saying, okay, we've identified the thing we're going to make. How do we make this? How do we make it so that it does what it's supposed to do? How do we make it right? And that's, that's how we do it at Workfront. And so it, it is a little bit different, um, but I would agree that the, yeah, like I can't fire anybody. Um, I don't know many CEOs who just go around firing people. I know they technically, in theory, could have the power to do that. Typically, you know, a manager does that or like an HR person does the firing. So I see, feel like you're splitting hairs, especially if you're, now you have the chief invest, investments officer, but to, to his credit as well. But that is yeah. it. We got to try to, we got to try to prioritize. We say, okay, X competitor just released this new feature. Do we compete with them? Do we now go buy another company who already has that feature? How quickly can we get there? Um, you know, we just saw this change in the market strat or forecast or growth or coronavirus hits and everyone needs to work from home now. Like things happen and all of a sudden you've got to re, uh, re-look at and revisit how you've placed your bets. Are they still the right bets? And I can you can you pivot if necessary? And I think that is really what it means to be an agile software company is being able to pivot as a business to work on the right things when you need to, as opposed to do you have points on your story points on your scrum thing? Like that's a real formal agile thing. I think, you know, that's the letter of a lot of what it comes down to what real agile is, is being able to readjust as a business. And I think that comes down to development teams being able to pivot as the business needs, but that business needs gets business needs understanding comes from product managers. Yeah. The, that's a, that's a good statement. I mean, definitely the, I think any, any description of the role that includes like a a C-suite level position to explain it, there's definitely going to be debate. Um, But I do like how you put it where if we didn't have product managers, because I'm sure I know, I know people out there that they're like, what, like I could do their job. Like why do we have them if I'm just doing their job already? But if we don't have them, 
then we're going to have engineers going like, oh, well, we can't do that because we've already like groomed this backlog and we got we to gotta go through this backlog. And uh, yeah, yeah, totally. It'd be a linear process. Oh yeah. That, that's a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and to your point, a lot of people, I've said it, like I said, early in the podcast, in this episode, guilty of myself, people look at product management and say, I could do their job better than them or just as good as them. And I'm here on the podcast saying a lot of to you, you're right. Like, if you're listening to it, it's probably because you're interested in the topic and you're, you're a smart person. If you're hearing my voice now, you're probably right. You probably could. That doesn't mean you want to. Like, oh, I could yeah. go do customer support. I could, I could go do that. I could totally go do customer support. It doesn't mean I want to. I would rather do my job. And so, you know, could you do that? That's fine. Sure. Great. I mean, a lot of people could do product management. But um, if you don't want to do it, then you maybe, maybe don't get mad at product managers for the way they product manage. Because if you really want to do it better, then I say step up to the challenge. Try to do it better. Like, I'd encourage anyone to do it. Boom. Yeah, that's a really good statement. I actually, that's basically me. I, I had that same uh, feeling. The last company I worked for is very heavily product management focused, like product management. Oh man, it was like the worst org structure. So pro, like imagine product management is under the engineering org. So like engineering managers manage the product managers and then nested within product is uh design <laughs> so like yeah basically in the org chart like priorities are very explicit and so it was a lot about delivering just delivering features and not really thinking through the customer experience and and getting locked into like a backlog and being like well we can't do that for a year because we have this backlog we need to get through first and I, I had that feeling. I'm like, you know what? Like, I think I could do the product management job better because I actually have the skill set to measure if like what we're doing is successful. And so I kept thinking that and I always had this gut like a feeling. Well, I had this, I don't want to say it's a gut feeling, but like this, this temptation to leave design, which is what I really like doing and going into product management. And then I uh, switched jobs and I started maturing and I read Marty Kagan's book, Inspired. And then I realized that like, if you do design right, you get to influence product strategy, which I think was my big fear is like, you don't feel like you can influence strategy as a designer. And that's why you, you move over into product management because you think you can call the shots. But I've noticed if you do your job right, you influence strategy because the product manager is like, that's a good idea. Let's prioritize that. And then I actually started getting more visibility on like what product managers do on the day to day. And I'm like, no way, I'm not doing that job. So I shut up real quick. No, I, I'm with you. It's, uh, there are certain parts of my job which are totally tedious and not sexy and not fun and not exciting. And then there are parts that I really, really like. But there, I don't think there is a perfect job because it's just, mostly perfect for me and I really enjoy what I do these days oh yeah the there's definitely you actually mentioned mentioned to me in before is that not all UX researchers should become product managers some UX like some researchers are just very bookwormy and you know they love getting into the research 
and that's the perfect job for them. It definitely looks like you felt like you could contribute more by uh, being involved in prioritization and it looks like you're happy. But I think the, the best way to sum up uh, this episode is that product management is a very hard job. And I mean, it is, it is likely that you could do it if you, I think a lot of people could do it, but it's, it's a, just a matter of like, okay, well, if you're willing to go through the crap of like the, the mundane stuff, then sure. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Very difficult job. I mean, it's like a lot of stuff falls on you if like things don't work out and design doesn't have that luxury. I mean, doesn't, I mean, that design has luxury of not being blamed if things don't work out, even though it's their fault. Totally. Uh, I've seen that. I've seen that I've experienced that. Oh yeah. Like, I don't think, well, I mean, it's like a, it's a gift and a curse, right? Because if people saw the value and like the, had visibility on how designs work actually influence the business, um, it would be awesome, you know, but at the same time, if it, if the business actually saw the value of design, then it's our fault. If things, if people don't want to use our product, if it's cumbersome, <laughs> that's true. So it's in sure, the, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, so it's in the best interest of the product manager to get as much visibility to the value design to designers, so that when they mess up, you're off the hook. Yeah, cover cover your own your own butt on that one, right? Yep, right. So, Trey, thank you so much. Just to uh, wrap up, this was a very interesting conversation. I'm going to ask you a question. I ask every uh, guest. It's the time machine question, and the question is this. If you had a time machine and you could go back and change something in your career, um, like just something that you regret, like, or maybe you wish like the trajectory went a little bit differently, what would you change? And you can't say I wouldn't change anything because if you really had a time machine, you would. And uh, power corrupts people. So I know, I know you seem like a great guy, but if you really had a time machine, you'd get a little corrupt. So what would you change? Uh, that's a really good question. No, no, it's, it's, I have a good answer for that. I would have gotten out of optics and into tech sooner. Um, totally had some people who, like I said, I worked at some startups and was with some people. There was definitely some opportunity dangled and carrots of being like, if you stick around, this will be here for you. And I, I stuck around but probably longer than I should have a couple of times. I would change that move on sooner because while my job is not perfect, while my life is not perfect, I am happier now by orders of magnitude than I was then. And I would encourage myself to make this leap sooner. Yeah. So just pivoting so, so, more aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have gotten out of optics sooner. Um, yeah. That, that's what I would have changed about my career is find the thing that made me happy earlier and get into it sooner and quit quit trusting on other people's promises of like future prosperity and just find a job you like doing. Yeah. And I think that goes for anything, right? It's if you're not happy, be aggressively find out what would and go to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, waited, I waited too long. I would encourage people to do that sooner. Do you think you waited too long to make the pivot to PM? Cause it sounded like inevitable. I, I'm, no, I was I was thinking it was going to be farther out. If anything, it was too soon. 
<laughs> well, you know, say la vie, you know. Cool. Well, Trey, is there anything else on your mind? Anything else you'd like to say before we tune out? No, just a uh, happy quarantine season, everyone. Yeah, stay healthy. All right, see you guys. All right, see ya. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Way of Product Design. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with your network and write a couple lines on why you found it useful. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help the show grow, please leave a review on Apple or Google's podcast platforms. As always, thanks for listening. You have a good one.